You are listening to the We Only Do One Take Podcast. The only podcast in the world that is a complete shit show. only podcast in the world that is a complete shit show. I am your host, Turch, and with me is my co-host, the CEO of the podcast, Kieran. And with us today, very special guest, a guest I've been wanting to get on the show for a very long time. It's Matt Farley from Moturn Media. Matt, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, and this is a tremendous honor. Thank you. Oh, it's a tremendous honor for us. Believe, you better believe, best believe that. I'll tell you what, let me just... Uh, Matt is a man of many talents, but he's a, a fantastic mm-hmm. musician. Written now and written, recorded, and released twenty five thousand songs officially, uh, and also a fantastic filmmaker and a fantastic performer. And I need to know all about that. So, uh, more, I need to know more than just the stuff that's online. I need to know more about the myth, the man, the legend that is Matt. So, Matt, how about we just absolutely kick it off? Let's start it all the way at the beginning. Um, You've been a musician for many, many years. Let's see how true your Wikipedia page is. When did you start playing <laughs> music? When did you? When did you? When did you decide? Yet yeah, music is something that I really want to get, take part in. Um, my parents heard me playing with like a toy keyboard when I was about seven years old, and um, I was kind of figuring out melodies. And so they they got me piano lessons shortly after that. And um, and I ended up taking piano lessons for five years through grade school. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a piano, and and then after the piano lesson stopped, like the the teacher was making me do a lot of um, classical stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. I, I like to some degree, but you know, it it was more exciting to play, you know, Billy Joel or Beatles songs on the piano. So. Um, after I stopped taking lessons, I just, I played more cause I could play whatever I wanted. Hmm. And, um, and that's kind of how it started. Amazing. Uh, so Beatles and uh, Billy Joel sort of like, those are things on the radio that you're like, I'm gravitate, uh, gravitating towards that more than anything else. Yeah. And you know, uh, this was, you know, in the late eighties or early nineties. So it's not as if either one of those were like cool amongst my <laughs> my peer group, you know. Um, but that's what I was into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what was you know obviously you're drawn to that? I guess being a piano player, like I'm a guitar player, you sort of gravitate towards um, guitar orientated music. I'm assuming the same with with the piano there. Uh, when when did you start to add in the vocals? Like when did you decide I'm also going to sing? Or those sort of happen simultaneously? Yeah, well, um, no one. I've never, I've never been accused of having a good voice, you know. Um, and and frankly, people almost actively uh, let me know that I, you know, shouldn't sing uh, when I was a teenager. Um, but but that didn't really stop me too much because, like, uh, you know, I also listened to Bob Dylan a lot, and I was like, yeah, yeah people's people say Bob's got a bad voice and he's done fine for himself. I'm not going to let that hold me back. 
Um, and so, yeah, I started writing and writing songs in high school, kind of dabbling, you know, just a few things here and there. And then, uh, when I was in college around age 18, I really started focusing on writing a lot. And was that when you joined your first band? Like, was that the, the first time when in, in your college years, was that the first band you sort of joined or were there some high schooly sort of bands first up? Uh, there were two guys in high school, um, Pete and Froggy, who I still, yeah. um, I still collaborate with both of them and we would record in Froggy's basement. And, um, and then in college, it was my friend, Tom, Tom Scalzo, and, and he and I started writing songs together and, you know, we re- we just released an album a couple of weeks ago. So we're, we're still yeah. at it. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. So That's what amazing. I'm hearing so basically is uh church you need a basement to help me with my singing career uh because uh church and i uh going to be singing well i have to sing and i'm not a good singer and you're giving me hope here it's great yeah and that's where we belong anyway we belong in the basement you know um yeah (laughs) it's it's so sad it's so sad Australia really doesn't have too many basement uh, or dwelling uh, places. We're very much an above-ground people. <laughs> That's tough. That's we'll, real we'll tough. Move, we'll move to Cooper PD Church, and I'll have my basement, <laughs> and I can sing. Um, Gar- garages are good too if you have one. Of yeah, those. that's right. I've played in many garages in bands over time, and uh, but yeah. So what is so? Let's go. So the writing process, obviously, being Bob Dylan, you Billy Joel, all that sort of stuff. Uh, Beatles, obviously, big inspiration to you. What's what's the writing process like uh, early on, and has and, and uh, has that changed? Um, obviously, that's obviously changed over time. But what, what has changed over time uh, in that writing process? Yeah. So, um, I slowly developed the belie- the the system that I should never say no to any idea. Like yeah. if if I have an idea, I just have to go with it. And and oftentimes it'll be a bad idea, and <laughs> I'll doubt myself while I'm doing it. But over time, I realize you just have to follow through with it, finish the song, and then. That, that'll free you up for the next idea. And maybe that idea will be better than the first one. And then you just keep on doing that until you've had a day when you've written and recorded a dozen songs. And then then you go back and listen to them. And it's like, oh, you know what? The the first song was actually pretty good. It's better than mm. I thought it was. It's like, mm. it's not it's not our job to, to determine if it's good or not. It's just our, our job to just do it, you know, mm. and, and, and sort it out later. And when when did so you started off in your your first band it was well, just regular sort of I guess I'll say non comedic in nature music or non I guess poop related or non name related or city related music. What made is, is that process you just described there of no idea is a bad idea? Was that the reason why you moved into doing these other style of songs? Yeah. That well, I mean, I was writing silly stuff from day one. Absolutely, like. And, and like, I, I was embarrassed by it though, you know? Yeah. And so, and we tried oh, please, to, don't, don't be embarrassed. <laughs> Church is so no. excited. Oh, no, no, he is. Because I go to his house and he's like, Hey, check out this like poop song. And then he like plays <laughs> me and he has the biggest giggle and he's so excited. And I, 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 I just think you're writing to the inner boy that we want to be. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm not embarrassed anymore. This was back, you know, when I was 19 and I had yeah. uh, oh. uh, po poetic aspirations, you know. <laughs> and so I, I had poetic aspirations and then I'd, I would write the dumbest, most ridiculous comedic song. And I, and and then I'd write uh, what I thought was a good poetic song. And then um, I'd play them for people and people only wanted to hear the, the weird, silly song. So it's like, all right. This is, seems to be what people want. And so, um, but I mean, this this is back in the late 90s. I didn't even mm. release an album until 04. And, um, and frankly, there wasn't anywhere to release it independently mm. prior, to, <laughs> prior to 04, yeah. you know? So like in 04, um, iTunes was a thing. And I learned that just anybody can release an album on, on iTunes. I was like, wait. Like there's no one, no one's stopping me. This is crazy. So I had all these recordings from the previous like five or six years. And so I just started putting out albums uh, under the band name Moe's Haven, which is mostly me and Tom Scalzo, who I mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, and so for those, for a few years, we just kind of released our back catalog over the course of a few years while writing new stuff and, then it was, you know, around 07, I was looking, we had about, we'd released about, I don't know, 20 albums by then. And um, I was looking at the numbers. The numbers were not good. Like <laughs> we would earn maybe $5 a month, you know, but I looked at the earnings and I was like, oh, people paid for the shut up your monkey song. With, yeah. and, and, and someone purchased the song about Hugh Grant, the actor. And then that's when I was like, ooh, people are going onto these web onto iTunes and typing in unusual words. And our, our songs are the only ones coming up for those. Well, I, I've always really admired you in a way because one of the things that I either you consciously know that you're doing it or subconsciously are the genius at it is that you are the master of search engine optimization. <laughs> and I don't know if anyone's ever told you that. That's my like every time someone talks about you, you say, why do you love him so much? One, all of his songs are, are, are goddamn hilarious. And he's the master of search engine optimization, whether he knows it or not. Is that something you've ever like, obviously you noticed that early on with, with the iTunes um, uploading of, of the songs on, onto iTunes. Yeah. I, I mean, I stumbled onto it, you know, cause mm. I just had all these songs and, and then uh, just the light bulb went up off in my head and I was like, Oh, I, I just need to think of a topic that other people haven't written about, but people might search on a music uh, site, you know? And yeah. the thing is, it's like, no, nobody, <laughs> I don't think anyone else would do this, you know, because, mm. you know, who's going to devote like two decades <laughs> to churning out really weird and specific songs. But I, I was... I was like, oh, this is great. All I like doing is recording songs, you know, by myself. So, I mean, this is the best, I, I, you know. So basically when I wasn't working my day job, I was just recording song after song after song. And the thing with the search engine optimization, it's like, I don't know if it's going to work or not. So mm. I'll just, I come up with an idea and I just, I go with it. And plenty of them, no one's listening to, but just by by sheer chance, I mean, when you have so many thousands of songs, some of them are going to be searched and some of them will catch on. I think, uh, I think that uh, some of the poop songs have reached over a million 
listens or like especially on spotify which is probably the most newest of all the all the streaming sort of platforms it's already hit over a million so i think people are definitely i think they're definitely finding you through those channels there and looking at your other they're the you know like my wife going this is the stupidest thing i've ever heard in my life or the guys like me going, this is the this this is this the is king. The this is, he's, 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 yeah, he's mastered something here. Yeah, there's a lot of wives who don't understand <laughs> why, why their husbands like me. <laughs> I think. Do you ever think, think that there are, there are high school kids who, to annoy their teacher, are playing your songs? Yeah, I'm, oh. and I'm so proud. Yeah, <laughs> you know what's good about that too is like. If if I get them young enough, they don't even know what a good singing voice is yet. They're so young and impressionable. And so there's a whole generation of kids who hear who think my singing voice is like acceptable and normal. And so as they get older, I'm changing the tastes of humanity. And I think I'm only going to get bigger as as more and more people just can't help because everyone's heard poop in my fingernails at this point and yeah and they don't realize how bad my voice is it's great i gotta say i introduced my i introduced my nephew who's uh was four at the time to mm. uh his namesake song and it's the henry song and i'm gonna i'm, I'm gonna say something is probably controversial but the henry name song is the best name song you've ever done <laughs> it is uh, like the, like my son's name is felix my name is anthony this is kieran you know, we've listened to them all. It's like, yeah, they're pretty good. The Henry song, I don't know why. It's it's just the absolute best. It's a simple chord progression of C minor to G to F or something like that. Nice and simple, but God damn it, it's so perfect. I, I don't know how you... And the first time I, I got him to listen to it, um, all he asked for from me was, can we listen to the Henry song again? Now he sits there like this, Henry! Like sitting there with his hands, eyes closed, singing along to them. It, it's fantastic. Is that Henry, just the Henry song or the Henry Poop song? No, no, just the Henry song. The Henry Poop okay, song nice. is still to, still to introduce him to slowly. Oh, <laughs> just good. doing the okay. name songs for now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And obviously I can't wait until my son can realize that uh, he's got a, his own song by uh, Matt Farley <laughs> on, online. Yeah. Um, so you obviously got others involved. It's still is really, really roughly the same group of guys that you've been recording with the whole time, or do you do you get other people in, or is it a lot of yourself just recording in your own basement? It's mostly just me by myself for all the novelty songs. But I still I call that every a couple times a year I try to put out and I call it a no jokes album. You know yeah. where my aspirations to be a somewhat more credible and, and respectable artist. Um, I'll put out one, an album like that. And usually that's when I'm collaborating with those other guys. Um, yep. what, you know, sometimes they'll come up for a weekend and we'll just recur record the basic tracks to a whole album. And then we'll spend a few weeks or months, um, touching it up, it up. remote remotely. Yeah. Yep. So, um, so that's good. And it, it, it's like a, it's a great way to keep in touch with friends and mm. just like, like, I don't like to hang out with people very much. Like I, I like to engage in creative pursuits with people. So, um, you know, like some guys maybe get together and go fishing all weekend. Like that's mm. just not my style, but getting together and recording an album, that's, that's the dream. And I can't believe, you know, we're in our mid forties now and we're still, we're still doing the thing that we thought we, 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 
when we were 20, we were like, wouldn't it be cool if we could had time to get together and make albums and like, we're actually doing it. It's, um, yeah, it's sort of like, I guess this podcast for us is one of those things that we can, you know, we get together, we cr- sort of create some sort of art or we get to interview yes. cool people like yourself or, you know, uh, we'll talk about the world. It's, it's a really magical thing, creating, creating art. I'm trying to bring Kieran into the music music world we're trying to write more like trying to write music together and he's never he's got no music experience i'm trying to bring him into this world it's it's a really exciting i'll be um, singing i'll be singing and i like what you've said because it's just do it (laughs) move on and let the market determine and even if it's bad there's another market (laughs) that will that will love it (laughs) yes i mean there's i i don't like I don't even think there's such thing as quality, frankly. Like, um, it's just like it's you whatever. Are my hero. Thank you. Yeah, whatever you hear all the time. I mean, there's a reason why artists like bribe radio stations to get their yeah. songs played because if your songs on the radio, people hear it, and then if people hear it a half a dozen times, they just start humming along with it. It's you know, it's mm. like it's been proven. The more you hear something, the, the more you like it. So. The whole game is is just getting getting into people's ears. It's it's um yeah I, I completely I completely agree with that. So just going back to the record recording process, um, do you ever get like others involved in not just uh, like you know um, like fans or I know that you have fan competitions where you ask fans to record record your songs like cover versions of these songs that's still is that still happening i think it happened last year or the year before yeah i've been doing that on my podcast since like 2015 i think yeah. and um and you know i every year i get a dozen 15 20 entries and uh and it's great and, and i think it's good for people people kind of need a push sometimes you know yeah. like to 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 get the guitar out of the case and to to just do it. And a lot of people tell me like that was what got them to finish the album that they'd been working on for five years, you know, like, so it's like, get out there and do it. But, um, otherwise, no, I don't really, um, I don't collect. It's hard. It's real hard to collaborate with someone and like to like, you don't want to step on their toes. You don't insult them. They don't want to insult you. You don't want to push people too hard. And so I've got a few guys that, that I know I can work with quite well. And uh, we've known each other for decades at this point. And, and those are my guys. I, it's too late. Yeah. <laughs> it's too late for anyone yeah, else. It's to, weird. To it's in. funny you say that. Like I've got a group of musicians, like a you know, drummer, bassist, guitarist, piano player that you just go, you know what? I'm just going to work with you because I know how you work. It, it's, it's amazing. It's a workflow that you really need yeah. sometimes. Absolutely. And like, um, uh, you know, it, it's very, it's a very sensitive thing too. Cause like if someone, someone puts their effort into creating something like um, you can crush their, you can crush them, you know, by, by even accident, accidentally crush them by, uh, you know, say making a suggestion or something. And so when, if you find people who, who know how to deal with each other, then, uh, then just hang on to those people. Now, look, you, you've been on Jimmy Fallon. I'm going to talk about that because I've got a question sort of related to all that. How did the Jimmy Fallon call up happen? I I was down in my basement recording music <laughs> on a Tuesday, <laughs> and I my phone rings, and 
My my phone number is very public. I I sing it. Yes. It's in the lyric. It's in the lyrics of hundreds of songs of mine. So I get yeah. calls all all the time. Um, but this one comes in. I answer it as usual, and someone claims to be a producer of the the Jimmy Fallon Tonight Show, and I I'm like, yeah, I don't know if this is true or not, but uh, I'll play along, you know. Um, and then a week later, I was in New York City on my, you know, I had stayed in a hotel the night before that they they paid for. So I was like, I think this is really happening. But still in the back of my head, I'm like, is this a really elaborate prank? Um, Has um, Ashton they... to come back and, you know, yeah. do a prank show. Yeah. But once I actually got into the building, I was like, this is crazy. This is actually happening. And um and I, I, it was a really good experience. Everyone was so accommodating and nice and um, professional. I'm sure, I'm sure that came with a lot of additional uh, fans. Or what was the immediate, like, I guess, what was the audience reaction to? I think you're saying, well, this used to be a Pizza Hut, I think was the song. Uh, right, was, yeah. It was performed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was the audience's reaction to it? Yeah, I I mean, in the in the room... I, I was so focused on just getting the song done. I didn't even pay any attention to <laughs> if people were enjoying it or not. The best part for me was like, after I played it, the house band, which is the roots, yeah. they, they started playing their own version of it, which was oh, incredible cool. to hear like a full band, you know, playing <laughs> used to be a pizza hut. And then, um, you know, I picked up some, uh, some new fans, I think from, from the appearance, but it, it, for, it's never been any kind of overnight success thing yeah. for me. It's just like every, it's a very, very, very slow grow. Yeah. And um, what, what else was I going to say about that? Um, oh, the best part is I get to brag about it when I meet That's, people. Yeah. It's so good. Like, I think, uh, yeah, I always try to show people that. <laughs> not only, this guy's legit. <laughs> so good. Not only, not only brag. You also get to do like the trump card of like, well, have you been on the Jimmy Fallon show? No, oh, no, you haven't. I know. So, you know, shut the fuck I up. <laughs> I, right, the, I, they gave like me... my, you, see, in my father's eyes, you are successful. I'm not successful, right? I'm just yes. a bum. And our mate, Traj, he plays in a band and he was also a bum until I told told my father, oh, he's opening for Kiss when they're in Melbourne. And then all of yeah. a sudden... He was a massive yes. fan and told all his boomer friends. <laughs> yeah. And you are yes. in that same position now. The honor uh, and the prestige absolutely. you have in my father's eyes. Yeah. Um, and that's it. It's for people for people who are outside of the entertainment business. Like yeah. they don't know how to gauge success other than like, okay, you've been on national TV. You must be a big deal. You know, whereas like even for me, like, I, you know, like, I'm more proud of uh, an album that I've recorded or something like that, but it's good. You know, it, it, it's good for people who, who aren't involved to, you know, for my parents to have some kind of substantial thing to show their friends and be like, see, he turned out. Okay. And what, what, um, so going on from that, you went to Jimmy Fallon, you got to perform this big stage, you know, obviously you've said that you've got this core group of people that you, you collaborate with and, uh, but has it has it ever come? I guess downstream is like a big like an artist ever come to you? And go, you know what, Matt, come and play on. You know, like the Weed Al called you up and said, let's do a parody song together. Has it has yeah. it been like a downstream sort of call 
call to action for, uh, from others? No, nothing really um, coming to mind in in that way. Yeah, I mean it's it's been it's been very much just kind of staying staying focused, doing what I do, and and things things like I said, they just slowly uh, increase. Who knows? Maybe I mean one thing that happened. Um, we you know America's Got Talent. You know that. Yeah, show? yeah, 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 yeah. We've got equivalent they, here in Australia. Okay, so they invited me to play there and they wanted me to do a song about Heidi Klum, you know, the model. Yeah. yeah. A fart song about Heidi Klum, so, <laughs> which I did. So I go up on stage and I perform a song. The first verse is about how she's a wonderful supermodel. And then the next verse is about how just like everyone else in, in the world, she farts, you know? Yeah. And, um, and I, I started hearing those buzzers. Eh, uh. eh. <laughs> Three buzzers, but not the fourth. The fourth, Howie never, Howie Mandel never um, pressed the buzzer. So I was able to finish the song. I thought it went great, but they cut me out of the show. I went oh. all the way to Los Angeles for a couple days. And, and then my wife and I watched every episode all <laughs> through the summer waiting for my big moment. It never came. Oh, yeah. well, I was quite, quite disappointed. I was gonna say, I think isn't Howie like a, a germaphobe as well? He doesn't like, he like yeah. he always washes his hands. So for yeah. him to like the poop, the Heidi Klum poop song, I think for me, like you got to take that as an enormous win. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it went great, um, but maybe you know, maybe it's Heidi. She didn't want the world to to be clued into the fact that she farts. That's that <laughs> potential. I think no woman, woman wants to want the ones the world to know that they're perfectly honest. Uh, but that's one of those um, exciting. That's right. You can look, you, you can go and write a fart song about the We Only Do One Take podcast. That's right. Oh, okay. Anytime Good. in the world. Yeah. Anytime. Uh, look, you do you do play shows. You play concerts. You do, and then the, the big thing that I know you uh, know you do is that once a year or maybe more than once a year, you do big five and a half plus hour concerts. You did one in, uh, uh, in Massachusetts, like I think last year or potential oh, yeah. 24. I keep thinking of 2022, but you know, you've done one uh, more recently than, than not like a five and a half hour show. How do those come about? Yeah. So, um, I mean, I'm all about excess in general, you know, as 25,000 songs, making tons of movies, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And so um, around around the time of the Tonight Show appearance, I I felt like I was like, you know what? I have enough fans that we could at least sell 10, 15 (laughs) tickets. And and I was like, that'll be enough. Then, you know, we can have uh, family and friends fill up the rest of the seats. Yeah. So I rented out a venue and, and from day one, it was at least a five hour performance. So that was back in 2017. Um, and so once a year since then, it's me and those those three guys I've been playing music with forever. We've done um, we've done one of these shows, five, five, five and a half hours. Um, and the one the most recent one was May of 2023. Mm. We had more than a more than 100 people in a hotel conference room. And um, and that that was a crazy one because we premiered two movies. So the the show yeah. started at it went from two p.m. until eleven p.m. <laughs> two movies followed by a five and a half hour show. 
people were exhausted, but um, I mean, it's it's definitely definitely uh, memorable. And one person flew from Australia for a show a few oh. years ago. So that was pretty cool. I'm very jealous of that person because that it's like I said, if you could ever do an Australian tour, I would be at every show in every city. It would just be one of those fantastic things. I'd have to drag here and along to. Uh, but Great. you know the thing the thing like um like like in australia there's only going to be like three of us here you know that's yeah, just that's right three. yeah that's enough that's enough I, i've played for fewer so the <laughs> the, the the way i look at the way i look at it is like a lot of independent musicians might like do a tour you know like where they like you know an indie tour where they book a show for two weeks straight they book a show in a different city and uh, I think they come out of that having lost a few thousand dollars, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like look at least on the level that I'm at. And, and I'm like, all right, you know what, instead of spending two weeks being exhausted, driving all around, I'm just going to lose $2,000 all in one night and just do, do a really epic show and try to get people to come to me. Um, and, 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 and like, and I do it at, at like places where I can just rent out the venue Hmm. Uh, rather than like like splitting the ticket sales with like a club or something, just because um, uh, I I would feel guilty. I would feel bad the whole time for the club. I would feel like I I, <laughs> I was letting them down or something. So I, I like having it be just my this is my thing. And uh, if it goes well, good for me. If it doesn't go well, I'm the only one who, who's bothered by it. And uh, that, that that's the way I look at it. Yeah. Oh, look. Well, you just you very much touched on something I was, I was going to bring up next, which is your films. You've been making films for ten years, fifteen years, give or take, uh, almost in line with the same with with your um with your music making. Um, what made you decide I want to make a want to make a film? Yeah. Well, it's been the same thing as the music. I mean, in high school, I was making movies with my friends, and then. Um, in college, it was my friend, Charlie Roxburgh that I met at college and, and he was as into it as I was. And we were, you know, we were making short movies, uh, for, you know, within a few weeks of meeting. And then we just kept doing it before graduating. We had made a, a feature length movie, which was pretty cool. And then, um, and then we graduated college and, uh, we were like, oh, let's make another one. You know, like most people are at that point, they're like, well, you know, I can't just be running around making a movie. I'm a grown adult. What am I doing? And we never had that moment. Uh, we just kept making them. Um, and I mean, nobody, nobody was watching. I cannot like <laughs> more people when we were making five dollars a month from music like that was much more successful than the movies were. That's yeah. how few people were watching, but we just kept kept on making them. Um, mm. And and the one thing I had in the back of my mind was like, if let's say we make a movie in 2012 and people like it, and if that's the case, we're going to be glad we made movies before then, you know, because mm -hmm. for people to dig into, or maybe in the movie we make in 2007 will become popular in 2017. And likewise, we're going to be glad that we kept making movies in the mm. meantime. So that's been the, the approach. And where can, uh, look, uh, is it, like you said, you sort of show them at your big shows, your five hour long. So do you put them up on, online anywhere or people, where can people purchase them? Um, uh, there's a, there's 
a Blu-ray company called Gold Ninja Video, and we have several movies. You can order the Blu-ray, and it'll get shipped to you. And uh, and then I don't. Do you guys have Tubi in uh, Australia? Uh, it's like I, a free. I free think Netflix. so. Yeah, kinda. Okay. Yeah, something Maybe. like that. <laughs> it's a free Netflix with commercials. So uh, we have several movies up there, and um, and uh, you know they're they're around and the beauty of these movies are they're very homemade you know yeah where um like we made one entire movie where my uncle was the lead character it was a buddy cop movie where my uncle who not only does he not have acting experience he has no interest in making movies either and and that's the special kind of thing we're going for like <laughs> You've never seen a movie with a lead actor who who doesn't even want to be in movies. I mean, yeah. that's a rare, a rare thing. He he just does it because he's he's nice, and his nephew asked him to do it. You know, he's like, okay, sure, whatever. He does not care at all. He, if he gets it right or he gets it wrong, he doesn't care, and that just makes for such a unique viewing ex experience. That's uh, what. Which film is that called? Slingshot Cops. Slingshot Cops. That's. Kieran, I think we need I need a viewing party for our friends for that one there. Uh, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Um, the other one, I don't know how we can I... legally legally get Tubi from, but I I will find out how. It's on Vimeo, also. You can awesome. rent it or purchase it on Vimeo. I uh, will do. Will do. Kieran, what did you say? Sorry. Oh, I <laughs> I was saying the the one, or oh, it appears your most popular is Local Legends. You know, so we've got to watch Slingshot Slingshot Cops. And, double feature. Uh, and double feature. And do you recommend Local Legends, Matt? Yeah, Local Legends is 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 kind of like my... I, you know, I said I do the No Jokes albums. Yeah. This Local Legends is sort of like my No Jokes movie where it's not like, oh, isn't it funny to see all these non-actors acting? It's really like an autobiographical uh, story where I play Matt Farley and I more or less explain myself, my whole creative vision and depict my, my life as a, you know, a small time entertainment person. So there's lots of laughs in it, but it's very, very different tone. And I think at podcasters tend to like the movie because they can relate, you know, to the whole, the frustration of creating stuff and, people not really being necessarily interested in what you're creating, you know, and yet you still really want to do it and, and, uh, and dealing with criticism and, and dealing with like, how do you, how do you balance like a quote unquote normal life with your, your weird mm. artistic desires? Well, let's, let's go on with that sort of theme there. You've, um, you know, I can't wait to watch the film, but um, you know, you obviously, you, you said you, your partner, you know, your wife is, is, has been there for a while uh, you you get your family involved in your media and your music and all that sort of stuff. What's their what has been their reaction from the start of your career up until um, up until now? How how have they taken on board what you do, uh, and how do they explain what you do <laughs> to the wider community? Yeah. Right. Well, it's hard, to, very hard to explain. It's like you need I need a good two hours. I need to sit <laughs> someone down for two hours to really explain it to people. I'm bored um, with all the pin uh, pins on it and the, and the string <laughs> all the connections and <laughs> yeah. whatnot. Yeah. Uh, and then I decided to write poop songs. <laughs> yeah. you know? uh, and so, um, 
Well, for for me, I mean, my family was always uh, fine. Like they knew. I mean, I was making movies in high school and uh, recording songs all the time. They knew I was into it. I, you know, and the for me, I think the trick was like after college, I I got a job. You know, a regular forty hours per week, and I was able to take care of myself. You know, it, it the beauty of the job was I got all my hours done in three days. You know, mm. so. I'd work a lot for three days and then I wouldn't work for the next four days. And, um, and so it, it, and it was work, the job was working at a, a group home for teenagers who have been like taken out of their home for any number of reason reasons. Um, so, you know, it was kind of hard work and, uh, the pay was, was pretty low, but it was enough to live off. And, and so as far as my family was concerned, like, Hey, you know, he's taking care of himself. I had my own, own apartment and uh i just spent the other four days a week singing weird songs and, and making movies and whatnot um and then uh you know and then my my wife is is really amazing because i i i still was quite unsuccessful uh when i met her you know it's not like she latched on to mr uh tonight show you know <laughs> yeah, she was with me way before that um but again you know she she was cool with with uh everything that i did and didn't seem embarrassed by it and uh and with each level of new success you know it's it's uh i'm i'm less embarrassed and uh she seems more proud so it's pretty cool oh, that's that's fantastic cuz look wikipedia tells me that uh you're making about 60 something thousand uh dollars or something like that a year 65,000 something like that i i is making movies and making music now is that your full-time uh uh career or is it it's something is 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 still working a you know part-time job full-time job as well as doing all this yeah so i've uh my wife suggested i i should stop announcing how much i earn actually Uh, that was back in 2019 was the last year that i was like hey everybody look what i did um and so yeah it's actually gone up since then and uh yeah it's been my full-time it's been my full-time gig since 20 2017 actually yeah i finally oh. quit my day job and um i can't believe it you know nothing, like nothing day... makes me happier than you saying that yeah, nothing awesome. absolutely nothing right. makes me happier than you going i can just make these songs make movies i i hope you can do it i swear i hope you can do it forever thank you yeah me i mean it every year is better than the last year and so anytime i I get a little nervous i just got to remind myself i mean it it keeps going it keeps going up i keep on you know i i released probably 800 songs last year Mm. so it's like i keep on adding to the uh the pile of of stuff and uh you know and i think it it kind of success begets success you know like Mm um with with each each new uh six because someone finds one song and um there's a whole lot of others for them to find and those half pennies add up i think if you ever run out of names uh, so if you ever run out of names which there are and i can't remember i told church i was like he hasn't done this name and i forgot what it is so my apologies (laughs) See, um, I think I think the opposite. I think the opposite, Matt. I think that you've come across an additional revenue source. You've got an un- basically unlimited list of names. All you need to do mm-hmm. is put out those names and call them baby name books, 
and yeah, you've got an yeah. additional revenue source. There's so many yeah. things I go, man, he can monetize this in a way that like just funds your creative output. I think that's the most important part. Yeah, well, in um, some people hear about what I do and they just think like, oh, this guy is just a money-hungry, cynical, um, you know, non-artist. And it's like, like I mean, I'm 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 using a lot of this money to pay for these movie projects that do not earn any money at all. But I just absolutely want to do them. And I mean, basically every time I put on an extravaganza, I'm losing a, a few thousand dollars. And uh, and so it's definitely like it's just instead of having a day job, I have twenty five thousand silly songs that are uh, that that are earning my my main income, and I just keep adding to that and. And then when I'm not doing that, I can do other creative pursuits. It, and it, it's just like, it's like the funniest way to make a living, I think, too. Oh, it's, it's completely the opposite. I think it's the most fantastic way you can you can make yeah, a living. Yeah. It's so good. Um, one of the things that um, when I tried to ask other people, like questions that they wanted to say, they wanted, one of, one of our friends wanted to say that, uh, are you aware that you are the nicest person on Twitter? Because every single one of your posts is the nicest post you can ever have, and I, I have one hundred percent agree. Yeah, um, for sure. You know, like, um, and and the thing is, like, Twitter is all about self promotion. You know, mm. and uh, and some people try to be um, subtle about it. You know, and to, it just it feels wrong to me. Like, if you're going to promote yourself, you should just go out there, call yourself the greatest songwriter of all time, <laughs> and 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 just take pictures of yourself and, and act as if you're so grandiose and important. But I think people get the joke, you know, and then sometimes people will be a little, you know, if anyone criticizes me, uh, I'm not going to, I'm not looking to fight them. I'm, I'm more just looking to be, just ha have a little fun with it. But yeah. yeah, for sure. I'm trying to maintain some good vibes all around. Mm. All right. Now, so you said, you said that um, to do with aliens. So I have to ask this question. If, if aliens came down, what is the one song that you would give them? Uh, I have a song called The Aliens Built the Pyramids, and I would perform that for them. So Fantastic. Good. That's a great song, too. <laughs> Such a good song. I've listened, like I said, Matt, I've listened to so many of your songs. Like, it's, I feel like you are, for me, like, I love Frank Zappa. I've always loved Frank mm. Zappa. And you're in that yeah. same vein. Like he's got these very serious songs. He's got these very silly songs. It's got yeah. his movies. He's got his art. And it's all to like, it's just, re it, it's just, you know, money made to fund the next art project. And that's what, I think that's probably what I see a lot of Frank Zappa in you mm -hmm. in that sort of sense. Yeah. And for me, it's sort of like, yeah, I, I, I think that's why I get it more than the average um, person. Yes, and I, I'm, I'm grateful that you get it. And I definitely wish more people understood that aspect of it for sure because that's the mm -hmm. one thing I'm always like kind of fighting for is just to get a little bit more uh, respect for for the fact that like, it, you know, it mm -hmm. is, there's some good stuff in here, you know, some like yeah. really good compositions that, I, that I'm proud of. And uh, Zappa, Zappa gets a lot more respect than I do, but, you know, life is long. Yeah, that's right. Now, one of the things that you also do, so you, you've lovingly come onto this podcast here, but you've got your own podcast, the Moten Media Infomercial Podcast, which one the the funniest name you could ever call a podcast, <laughs> and two, you just talk about 
all your upcoming project songs and, and talk to the people you make music with. Uh, why did you decide to start uh, the podcast? Yeah. Well, one one main reason is my poor wife, you know, she'll be just sitting on the couch or relaxing and I'll be like, I was thinking of doing this and I was thinking of doing this and I was I, I was thinking of doing this. And you can see the boredom, you know, her eyes are glazed over and she's just like, when is he going to stop talking? And so I thought maybe if I just say it into a microphone, I'll, I'll get it out and I can spare her some of that. So there's that that's the reason and uh and then um and frankly i i just thought like i i would want to hear i like hearing creative people discussing every intricate detail of the process and so i'm going to put put it out there and if someone wants to hear it great if not that's great and i'm going to be very honest about it this is an infomercial this is all about self-promotion i, I don't want to be deceitful about it and so it's right there in the title it's so good. I mean, I've listened to episodes here and then you play like the latest songs. You talk about your movies. Uh, I wish there was more te- like I'm a real, like I said, musician, Sorry, I, long time, all that. I, oh, go, go, go. I missed, I missed the music part. I, I picked up the, uh, how much you were going to charge people for food. I thought that was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Remind, like, I don't know what I, you mean by that. Oh, you're like, you're late at the latest one that I listened to. There was a convert you're talking about like, how much you're going to charge for a hot dog or something like that. Okay, and then you're talking okay. about pretzels. And then I was like, we don't, we don't really have pretzels in Australia. This is amazing. And then like, what, what how much, how much do I charge it? Like the Super Bowl versus like, what are you going to do? And, and, and then like the argument of like, you should charge money. See, see, I'm not even musically talented, but that was fucking hilarious. Yeah. Well, I mean that, that so that's Froggy, the drummer. And uh, I mean, I've known him since we were seven years old and, those are our conversations. Yeah. Like basically, we've been having these kind of conversations since we were seven, where we really get into the detail and we're kind of like arguing a point that's totally unimportant. Totally moot like, point. <laughs> so hopefully, clearly you didn't mind listening to that. So that was cool. Yeah, we got a show in Orlando, Florida coming up uh, in, yeah. in early March. That's going to be exciting. That's going to be, that's a fantastic. And, and you got the full band for that one there? I think so. Um, so you know, I mean, the each a band each band member is going to have to pay his own way to fly, <laughs> fly to Orlando and, and, and then fly home. So I told that, I was like, if you can come, great. If you can't, I totally understand. And um, it, I, I mean, it'll definitely be me and Froggy and hopefully yeah. the other guys will come too. Great. Now you've got a big show coming up, Orlando. Um, how do you decide on a set list? So, you know, you've got an hour, two hour, five hour, <laughs> five hour show. How do you go? Do you go, we're going to play all the new album and these songs here, or do you ask fans for uh, suggestions or w- what's the process to get a set list together? Well, yeah, I mean, we've been doing shows now for for several years, and so we we definitely know what works. So we have, like, the crowd-pleaser songs where we're like, all right, we know this is going to go over well. Um, And then um, we definitely take input from people who are coming. If someone requests a song, we try very hard to fulfill that request because we're so honored that they're arriving at the show. And that they actually had a song they wanted to hear. And yes, there have been several times where people requested a song. We learned it and then they didn't come to the show. You know, so, 
<laughs> so there's that. And, um, and then we try, we, it's kind of, you know, most of it is for the crowd, but a couple songs for us, you know, where yeah. we're like, Oh, let's try premiering this song. We've never done this one live before stuff like that. But, uh, it's, it's, I was actually working on the set list right before talking with you. And, and what's good about doing a five hour show is like, it, it kind of build, builds up your tolerance for Orlando. We're going to play an hour and a half, maybe an hour and 40 minutes. And it's like, mm. Oh, that's going to, that's going to be easy. And, and it's easy to select all the songs that generally work really well and to put them all into one set list. Like, Oh, Orlando doesn't know what's coming for them. Yeah. Um, are you going to look for support acts or anything like that to, you know, and, and find yeah. other artists to, to, to be, or is it just all you and the band and just for the oh, your church, crowd? When we, when we launch our album, we are totally <laughs> going to America or Mac can come to Australia and, you know, we can support act. That's, that's, I think that's, well, I will happily, if you put on a show in, in, in this area, I will happily open for you for sure. Amazing. But um, when when I do shows, it's like, all right, I'm losing hundreds, if not thousands of dollars to rent out this venue and to get all this equipment here. I am not sharing the stage with anybody. This is a total yeah. Farley ego fest and I, I want to get my <laughs> yeah. money's worth. So I, I, I don't like sharing the stage. And so I'm, I'm up there the whole time. And so, no, just me. Nice, I I I can I can uh, I understand completely, and you just want to be all you and your band up on stage. So can I do a little bit of tech talk? Um, you you you've got you know you record, uh, that sort of stuff. What's your uh what I guess what's your signal chain? Like you know what's your piano? How do you record that? And the drums, guitars. Uh, what's the uh the, what what equipment do you use to to get all that into the into the computer and record your songs? Okay, well, we I can give you a little tour here. So this is uh, a Roland stage piano, I guess you'd call it, and 88 keys, and uh, real nice, real heavy though. So when I do live shows, it's it hurts to um, <laughs> to carry it everywhere. And then um, I record into this thing, which is a Zoom uh, 24 track mixer slash recorder, and one thing that I find for me is like, um, I don't want to like, because I work fast and I do a lot of things. I don't want to get bogged down on, um, on editing and mixing, you know, you're like, Ooh, let's make this a little uh, louder. Ooh, make that a little softer. Ooh. And before you know it, five days have gone by and the song basically sounds the same, you know, (laughs) but but you've been tweaking it. And so, Mm to avoid that i basically mix the whole song on this thing more or less as i'm going and then boom it's done um it could be you know if i spent three weeks on each song it could be one percent better but it's like yeah that's not worth Mm. it uh i think of all the songs i could write in those three weeks uh and then when i'm recording with a full band usually we're in the basement uh, and there's a drum set down there and and Usually the key is it's like try to get the drums recorded. Uh, that's the main point, you know, when the whole band's together and then we can dub over all the other instruments later on and it's easy to fix that. Mm. But it's really like to get that live drum thing and dubbing drums is not easy when you're, you know, like 
if if I play mm. like the chords of a song for uh, for four minutes and then send it to the drummer, it's just it's very hard to line it up in a way that that's uh, satisfying. So that that's the main core, the main uh, thing we go for when it's the full band recording. So no, so with, if it's just yourself straight into the mixer, no digital audio workstation, just just the mixer and out to and and exported. Yeah, um, in the last few years, I've I've got GarageBand on my uh, computer, so I, I I might use that just to get the level like the master track up to mm. like the highest level before it peaks, more or less. But um, but yeah, no, th- that's it. Um. And I, I always like I like I like acoustic like folk music and stuff where it's just yeah. you know a guitar and vocals and no, not a lot of tricks going on there. Um, and I I I also like like demo versions of songs. Like mm. oftentimes you can I prefer like the rough homemade demo to like the overproduced studio track. And so um, I, I definitely I'd I'd rather it be a little rough around the edges and sound a little bit more human and immediate than for it to sound like it was you know someone spent a lot of time perfecting it yeah i like we're recording some stuff right now and i we're doing sort of a country sort of thing some things i'm overproducing for for the effect like you know whereas sometimes like the sometimes it's acoustic guitar and and some drums that's all you really need to to get the song going i completely understand um yeah well that? for me yeah i mean and i fall into the trap where you know especially for the no jokes albums where you know there's other musicians involved and i, I want to make them proud and i i produce it too much and more often than not uh, i'll overproduce and then i'll be like ah take that out take that out bring it back down lower the effects and like get it back to a more human sound uh, I, ideally the best situation is where I just get to that sound in the first place, you know, mm. uh, amazing stuff. Kieran, have you got anything else for Matt? Yeah, I do. Um, yeah. I knew when you will you be, when will you be going on cameo? Yeah, I don't have any, um, plans for that. I mean, people ask me frequently, to do little like happy birthday videos and I, I just do it, you know, I mean, it, it doesn't take much time at all. And I feel weird making them pay for it because for many years. Birthday comes around every year and I have no idea what to do. <laughs> and I'm just like, you know what? This is perfect. I could just ask Matt who's now no longer, yeah. who's not on cameo. He's just, I'm just going to message you now. I was willing to just pay ta- you, yeah. but now that you're offering it for free. Yeah. Uh, absolutely i mean i figure if someone's reaching out to get a video from me they've probably listened to a lot of my music so i've probably already earned some money off them and i'm happy to to it you know it it cost me nothing but time to make a 30 second video now in the old days for for several Mm. years i would i would do custom songs yes where i would charge around 50 75 dollars um and people would give me about 15 facts about whatever the topic was. And then I would turn it into a song. And I mean, some years I did a thousand of those in a year, you know, and uh, no, probably not that many. <laughs> then I would have made $50,000. Maybe, I don't know, <laughs> whatever it was. But I mean, I was doing, I was doing a lot of them. Um, and then, 
I would always mispronounce people's names and then I'd have to go back and re-record it, you know, which is really frustrating. Or I'd, I'd mess up. I'd call like the daughter by the dog's name accidentally. And, <laughs> and they'd be like, we love the song, except our daughter is not named Rover, you know? Like, oh God, I got to re-record. <laughs> and it was so frustrating that I, I was like, okay, I, I need to stop. So I, I haven't done that for a few years, but if ever my income goes down from streaming, it's good to know I have that, like, I could start that up again, I think. Absolutely. Well, I know what I'm getting for my birthday this year, so that's very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm completely out of questions. I've, I, I, look, I probably could talk to you forever about the minutiae of music and, and playing and all that sort of stuff, but I don't know. I'll say, I'll wait, I'll wait till I hear that on your, your own podcast, uh, Matt. Kieran, do you have anything else? Uh, all done. Well, look, Matt, we just want to thank you so much for, for joining us on uh, an evening, uh, a late afternoon evening for you, very early morning. Uh, for us here in Australia. We want to thank you so, so much. Please tell us where people can find your music, your movies, and uh, buy tickets to the concert that's coming up. Yeah, well, there, there's so much. I'm just going to promote one thing. It's my book. It's called The Moturn Method. Yep. And it's the simplest and most direct um, guide to creativity that, that you could hope for, where every chapter is a page, two pages, three pages tops, and it, I think you you could read it in one sitting and then you'll be super inspired for the rest of the year to just produce. So look for that on, on Amazon.com, The Moturn Method by Matt Farley. Amazing. Like I said, Matt, thank you so, so much for joining us today. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Dream to have you on. My nephew, he's going to uh, be absolutely amazed that I was able to talk to the man that wrote the Henry <laughs> And the Henry Poop song, which I'm about to introduce to him. And I'm sure when my son grows up and he understands things, I'll go, No, the your Felix Poop song. I talked to that guy. He's he's a friend of he's a friend of the show. And I think that's gonna blow absolutely blow his mind. And my wife will never hear the end of this conversation. <laughs> no matter what she does, I don't think. But Matt, thank you once again for being on the show. Kieran, thank you so much for being on the show as well. Oh, thank you. And ladies thank you, and thank ladies you, and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, we will see you next Thursday. It's the We Only Do One Take Podcast. The only podcast that is a complete shit show. Come on, man. Motherfuckers, guys. Come on. Give me the five-star rating, baby. Give me the five-star. That's all I want, baby. That's all I want. I'll fuck all the beautiful girls in the goddamn world. They'll fuck a ten-star. I just want five. Five, baby. Just five.